Father, please, may you speak to your people, bypass me and speak the words for this present time. Your present truth we ask, humbly ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look in your handouts, there's a quotation I want you to focus on. Talking about God's people in the last days. And it says here, they, God's people, it says, I want, I want you to notice three things. They can honor Him, God, only as they have a right conception of His what? Character. What else? The second thing? His what? Government and His what? Purposes. Okay, so three things. So let's say it again. The first thing that they need to understand is His what? His what? Character. And what is God's character? His law, okay, his law, the transcript of his character, external transcript. But um, God's character, we told in, is, um, we told from inspiration, is his thoughts and his feelings, okay? So God's thoughts and feelings. So it reveals who God is, God's innermost thoughts and feelings. That's what it is. So we, we need to understand God's thoughts and feelings, who he is, okay? That's who, so we can love God, for to know God is to love God. And that's part of it. But the second thing, well, let's look at the last thing. It says God's purposes, See, we need to understand how God works because we have a false understanding how He works. Then we can get bitter and angry against God and then it can hinder our relationship with God. But the middle one is what we're going to focus on today and that's what this weekend is all about. And there's something here that we need to understand and that something is God's government. How He runs and how He sets up things and actually how He runs, even how we can run our churches and our nation, and how we can run our homes. There's a certain government that God uses in heaven that goes contrary to how we as sinful human nature run our places, our homes, and everything. Because we need to create safe places where God's love can grow and we can learn to love more. If we have a toxic environment, we will not learn to love God. We need to have safe places. And that's what this Religious Liberty Weekend is all about. Now... There have been only two republics that ever existed on this earth, true republics. One was the nation of Rome, and then there's the United States of America. That's only two true republics that ever existed. That's why we're looking at the fall of the republic here. Now, God's way is different. In the Satan's world of government, the institutions are more important than the people. That's how Satan's world That's corporate America, where they just use you, they burn you out in your work, your job place, they overwork you, they require a lot of hats for you to do, they burn you out because they want to make money, and then when you get burned out and sick, they dump you on the side, and then they get another worker who's eager for a job. Are you following me? That's corporate America. They use you for the sake of the, the bottom line, which is money. But God's government is, rather than an institution being more, more important than the people, God's government is this, God's Ten Commandments, the first four commandments is based upon our relationship or love to God, right? Because if you love God, you're going to keep the Sabbath day holy, right? And the last six commandments deal with our relationships or love with one another, right? Is that clear? So the Ten Commandments really reveal God's heart that He's a God of relationships. What do you say? Amen? So in God's government is relationships are more important than even institutions. Can you hear amen? Amen? In God's government, relationships, in other words, you are more important than even the job you work at, the institution or that business. In God's government, you are more important than even a church structure and building an institution itself. Can you hear amen? What do you say? Amen? So that's how God's government works. So we're looking at in God's freedom. So look at Revelation 13, verse 11. And... Um, 
Let's look at what it says about what came out of the earth. And Peter brought it up this morning. But it says, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. Okay, what does beast in the Bible represent? A what? Political power. A kingdom, right? A nation. So a nation coming up. And out of the earth, a relatively uninhabited area, the opposite of water, okay? And he had two horns like a what? Like a lamb, but he spoke like a what? Dragon. So this is coming up around the same time the first beast went down, right, in 1798. So this beast comes up, this nation was coming up at the same time, this relatively uninhabited. And what nation was coming up around the late 1700s that came out of a relatively uninhabited area during this time? It is what nation? United States of America. So it's looking at United States of America. And this nation was founded upon Christian principles. Now this beast had how many horns, does the Bible say? How many horns? Two horns. Okay, turn to Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 4 and let's see what the Bible says horns represent in the Bible. Look at Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 4. And notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, you know, different versions, but I like this version. It says, and his brightness was as the light, and he had horns coming out of his hand, and there in the horns was the hiding of his what? Of his what? Power. So the secret of the power of the United States that made America so great was these two horns, and that's the secret of his power. You know, they always say, oh, all these nations in Europe has been around for thousands of years. And all of a sudden, this young buck, this young nation comes out of nowhere. And the last 200 years, we bypass all the greatest nations who have been around for thousands of years. And we become the greatest, the most powerful nation in the world. How did this happen? There is secrets to these, the power of the United States. Did you know that? And so we're going to look at those two secrets of the power of the United States. It's kind of like Samson. What was the secret of Samson's power? His what? His hair, right? And so we look at what is the secret of the United States that made it so powerful. Do you know what those secrets were? In your handout, you look at the Great Controversy 441. Look at the bold print that's underlined. And it says this. Republicanism and Protestantism became the fundamental principles of the nation, the United States of America. These principles are the what? What is that word? Or the one? Secret of its power and prosperity. What do you say? Amen? The thing that made America so great in such a short time is that the principles of republicanism, Protestantism. So now, republicanism is not being a Republican. Do you know that? Can you hear a big man? Amen? It's not about what, that's not what it's talking about. So we're going to study that, okay? But I want you to notice, let's focus on Protestantism, what Protestantism was. So the next quotation tells what Protestantism is. Protestantism is the freedom of religious faith also was granted, every man being permitted to worship God according to the dictates of his what? Conscience. So what is the Protestantism? We are all supposed to not only grant ourselves, but we are supposed to also grant other people the right to worship God or not to worship God. What do you say? Amen? In other words, we should not force upon our beliefs or what we believe upon other people. That is what Protestant principle is. And you see a lot of people who are intolerant today, they're not concerned about what other people think or believe. They want to convert everyone to how, what they think religion and God should be like. But beloved, we shall set people free and not try and control 
their thoughts. I want that. How about you? What do you say? Amen? Then there's the second secret of the United States power, and this is what I want to focus on. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 in your Bibles. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 in your Bibles. And let's see what the second secret here has found in the Bible. And you know, this is one of my favorite principles that has helped me a lot, even as being a parent. And we're going to see that here. Notice what it says here. This is how you become wise. The Bible says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be what? Wise. Why is, does the Bible call an ant wise in this Bible text? I want you to notice what it says here. This is why the Bible calls the ant wise. It says, 7 says, Which having no what? Guide, overseer, or what? Ruler. Okay, without having a, somebody to watch over them all the time and have a king over them or guide, overseer, or ruler, it, the ant still provides her meat or her food in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. So in other words, what makes an ant wise is that it's able to do things that are good without someone having to tell them what to do and how to do it. Can you hear a big event? Amen? So this principle is called self-government. And this principle is actually called republicanism. And you look at the quotation here in your handout. The quotation says, the Constitution, talking about republicanism, the definition, the Constitution guarantees to the people the right of what? Self what? Government. Providing that representatives elected by the popular vote shall enact and administer the law. A republic is a government, as Abraham Lincoln said, a government of the what? People, by the people, and what? For the people. So in other words, republicanism is self-government or the ability for people to be able to govern themselves. That is what republicanism is. And that what leads to civil liberties or civil freedom in, within our world. Now there are three different types of governments. You have on one side, it's called anarchy. You know what anarchy is? No government, okay? And then on the other side here, you have a government tyranny and control where people in leadership, leaders rule over, tell people what to do and how to do things. Does that make sense? If that's clear, let me say amen. Amen? Are you with me? Okay. And then you have here God's government, which was from the beginning self-government, where we're not controlled externally of what we need to do, what is right, but we are in controlled internally with a new heart that's been created, and we're doing right because we choose on the inside to do what is right. What do you say? Amen? How many have ever been controlled and told what to do, whether it's your boss, whether it's a, a religious leader in the church or the government or even the whole, to do something that maybe you didn't want to do? Let me see your hands out there. You're controlled or manipulated, or even by your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You're manipulated and controlled. Silent treatment, whatever techniques that were used to control you, right? So God's government is not controlled on the outside. God's government is that you actually choose and govern yourself, self-control, self-government, and you actually choose to govern yourself. And God's way is the best way. Can you hear me? Amen? That is what religious liberty is really about, self-government. And that's what God wants to experience. So self-government is God's government. There's two extremes that doesn't work. We know that in this world. And the same also is true in a church. You want an individual members to control themselves by self-government. 
rather than be controlled by the pastor, the elders, or the church board. You want members to do what is right from the inside rather than be controlled from the outside, right? Amen? In the government, you want people to control themselves and be law-abiding citizens from the inside. Otherwise, you depend on the outside. You can depend upon the police forces. They're dealing with the symptoms. They're dealing with the outside to correct external behavior. But to really change people, you can change their dress and tell them what to do. But people really need to change from the inside out rather than the outside in. You believe that? Let me say amen. Amen? That's the gospel. Inside out, not outside in. And the same is true in the home. You want to teach your children to control themselves by self-government rather than you controlling them, you being their parent. Can you hear a big amen, children? Can you hear a big amen? 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 You want them to do what is right from their own hearts on the inside out rather than the outside in. How important is self-government? Look at your handout here, what it says. It says, the lesson of self-government is the most important lesson that man ever learned. Can you hear a big amen for that? Amen? The most important lesson. Why? Because it's from the inside out, not the outside in. What is the purpose of even discipline? Parents, I'm a parent, right? And I believe me, I made a lot of mistakes in my parenthood. But look at this quotation. The object of discipline is to make sure that your children do what is right. Amen? Is that what it says? What does it say? The object of discipline is the training of the child for what? Self-government. Can you hear a big amen? Amen? That is the purpose not for you to get your child obedient so to say, from external control because you're there. But the purpose of your parenting is actually for you to teach a child for them to learn how to govern themselves. When you're not there, we're going to get there. Notice what the next quotation says in your handout. Let's follow this quotation. It says, The severe training of youth without properly directing them to think and act for themselves as their own capacity and turn of mind will allow that by this means they may have growth of thought, feelings of self-respect, and confidence in their own ability to perform. Whoever produce a class who are weak in mental and moral power, and when they stand in the world to act for themselves, they will reveal the fact that they were trained like the animals and not educated. You know, you can get a dog and you can teach them obedience by disciplining them and spank, you know, just whipping them into shape and they become obedient to you, but we're not to be trained like the animals. Children are not supposed to be trained like animals. The wills, instead of being guided, were forced into subject, subjection by the harsh discipline of parents and teachers. This is actually from Child Guidance, page 226 from Ellen White. I want you to notice, we, you can read the next quote when you go at home. You can go over the quotations. But skip the next quote and go to the next quote that says, it is not God's purpose. Testimonies on Education, 180. Notice that it says this. It is not God's purpose that any human mind should be thus dominated. Those who weaken or destroy individuality assume a responsibility that can result only in evil. While under authority, children may appear like well-drilled soldiers. You may look at children and you see these kids, man, that's such a good family. Look at those kids. They're such good kids. You can look at them and go, wow, that, that's just a perfect Christian family from the outside, right? They can look like well-drilled soldiers. But when the control ceases, when you stop controlling your kids, the character will be found to lack strength and steadfastness. Listen to this. Having never learned self-government, 
the young recognize no restraint except the requirements of parents or teacher. This removed, they do not know how to use their liberty and often give themselves up to the indulgence that proves their ruin. You want to know why a lot of kids who come from, you know, homes that come from Christian homes and they're forced to go do this and forced to do that because the parents are forcing them? You know what happens to a lot of these kids? They leave and they run away from home. In fact, they leave and they don't go to church ever again. Are you following me? And we think, oh, man, pray for my kids. Something happened. The world's just drawing them away. And we put the blame upon the, everything upon the world. But you know what? Primarily, I believe, you know, I was a youth minister. I said, you know, we don't need really youth ministry. We need parents' ministry. Can I hear a big amen? Amen? We blame everyone else. That's the blame game, like Adam and Eve. You know, Eve blamed the serpent. Adam blamed Eve, right? We blame everyone else. What about us as parents? Being a parent is the most sacred responsibility we have on this earth. What do you say? Amen? And I know that's my responsibility, and I'm to blame. But you know, I thought I was the perfect Christian until I got married. Did you know that? <laughs> and then I realized, man, my wife said, my, she said the first year of marriage was the hardest year of her life. <laughs> then I thought, whew, okay, we're getting this marriage thing kind of, you know. And then you have a child. <laughs> that God shows you, man. He has so much defects. I went to, I mean, one, two, four different colleges, universities, right? And of all these different places I went, only two of the four had marriage classes. Do you know that? And of, of these four, none of them had any parenting classes. Do you know that? So we're kind of like, you know, just kind of figuring out as we go, just doing the same old cycle of abuse that's passed down to the third and fourth generations that's been passed to us, and the sin, right? And we're doing all these different things. And then we wonder why our children leave. And then I, the most requested prayer request, Pastor, is to me is, Pastor, please pray for my children. Every, that's the prayer request is always, please pray for my children. But you know, many, many times maybe we need to pray for ourselves as well, that we can be the parents that God has called us to be. I want that. How about you? What do you say? Amen? Self-government. You know, we see it in our schools. I remember, I remember one school I went to. You had a front desk. You had to check you in. Right? How many of you went to school? They had to check you in. Over there? How many went to one's college like that, right? Check you in, right? Make sure you're there. Now, you're over 18 already. You're adults already, right? Some of them are. And then you had to room check, right? They check you there as well, right? And then they locked the doors, right? In the, in the girls' dormitory, they locked the doors. I mean, let me see your hands. I don't know what I'm talking about. Let me see your hands out there. Raise your hand on me. Don't leave me hanging. Come on, let's see. Okay? You guys seen that, right? They locked the doors. This is our institutions, our Adventist colleges. Not only do they lock the doors, but they put alarms on the doors. You guys know that, right? There alarms on the doors. And not only do they have room check and the front desk and they lock the doors and they put alarms on the doors. Do you know they actually have video cameras on the doors, right? Do you guys know that, right? So they have all this. And I remember that all these things that was happening, we used to sneak out and we used to, you know, go into the city and all these things that we used to do with all these external control. Are you following me? Then I went to this other school. It was a very spiritual school. I personally chose on the inside to allow God to govern me, self-government. And this school had a room check, one, but had no front desk to check you in. They didn't lock any of the doors. They were wide open all night, 24 hours a day. There was no alarms on the doors, and there was no security cameras watching you. Do you know that even with all of this, I never once broke curfew and left and came back off campus? What made the difference? Total opposite? 
Could it be that maybe God wants us to relearn self-government, that if He changes our hearts, we would want to govern ourselves? Have we lost the power to govern ourselves? So what happens is, when you lose that power to govern yourself, what happens is, better than anarchy. Anarchy is the worst government. Do you know that? Because it's chaotic. You don't want that. So when we lose God's order of governing ourselves, the next best government is that the government needs to come in and you need to control the people because they're not internally controlling themselves. Does that make sense? And God wants us to experience that. So what happened here? You know that Revelation 13, this nation will speak like a what? Dragon, right? So the dragon, right? It looks like a lamb, like a Christian nation, but it speaks like a dragon. In other words, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it speaks because it has the heart of a dragon. It has a living entity of a dragon. It lives and dies as a dragon, right? And the next question is, who is the dragon? Does anyone know who the dragon is according to the Bible? Who is it? Satan. But not only that, but in Revelation 12, we know in verse 3, right, that this nation also was there to chase after the man-child, right, and, the, and to kill it, right? So this also, the dragon is also, in the first sense, is referring to Satan. But if you look at your handout in Great Common University 438, this says right here, Thus, while the dragon primarily represents Satan, it is in a secondary sense a symbol of what? Pagan Rome. Now, Rome was considered to be the first true republic. If you look, even in our nation's capital, a lot of the architecture work looks like Rome itself. We were the second true republic. And that's why we say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the what? Republic for which it what? Stands. We stand upon the republic. That's what we're based upon. And so we were considered the second republic that ever existed, true republic. And Rome was the first. And instead of Rome in your handout, it said they possess the Romans, the faculty of self-government beyond any people whom we have historically known. There's not been a nation back then who actually had followed self-government as the Roman Empire. Before it was an empire, but Rome, the nation of Rome. And then Rome became an empire. It started off as a republic, and then became an empire with the Caesars who came in. But we learned last night what led to the fall of Rome. And we learned that the love of money is the what? Root of what? All evil last night, right? Notice what it says. Is money evil? How many believe money is evil? The Bible doesn't say that money is evil. The Bible says the what? The love of money. Loving money more, lovers of pleasures and money more than God, right? So, loving money is evil. And it's the root of not only evil, but all evil. You know, you really have to think about that when it says all evil. And that's why it says luxury came in, on the next quotation, a historian said, luxury came in more crude than our arms and avenged the vanquished world with her charms. In other words, Rome conquered all the nations, but the thing that conquered Rome was not the external armies. What the thing that conquered Rome was the internal corruption brought by the charms of money that came into it. If you look at your handout, this is how Rome fell, okay? I want to show you how the first republic fell. And the reason I want to show you is because being the second republic, something's going to happen to us as well. The first republic was a self-government. That's when it started off in Rome. They were very powerful. And then the next thing happened, wealth came in because all the senators came out to all the nations all around. 
And then after the wealth came in, luxury came in because of all the wealth that flooded into Rome. And then it says that because of luxury, sins came into Rome. And because of sins came into Rome and vice, self-restraint was broken down. Then after that, because of the self-restraint was broken down, the power of self-government was lost in Rome. And when the self-government was lost, then there's a failed republic, because republic is people governing themselves, the government of the people, by the people, for the people. But when the people stop governing themselves, then government oppression comes in because now we have to control the cities and the people because so much violence and riots and, and killing and murders. And so the government has to get more bigger and bigger to control the people in this nation of Rome who weren't governing themselves. And when after government oppression comes, then military despotism, which is absolute military control, came after that. And that is what happened in Rome. And that's why Rome fell. Do you know that the United States of America, as a second Rome, were also and in ruin? Do you know that? Look at your next quotation. Last day events, 134. Notice what it says here. For the United States of America. When the state shall use its power to enforce the decrees and sustain the institutions of the church, church and state combines, like Peter was talking about this morning, then will Protestant America have formed an image to the papacy, and there will be a national apostasy, notice what it says next, which will end only in national what? Ruin. This nation will collapse in the last days. This nation is going to come to ruins. This nation, the United States of America, the Second Republic, is going to fall. And the way it's going to fall is that it's going to speak like a dragon or pagan Rome. It's going to fall. Being the only second true republic is going to fall the exact same way that Rome fell that we're going to find out. Now, we began as a true republic with lots of civil and religious liberties to the people. Now, nothing's wrong with money. But again, it was the love of money. And we can only be a true government when we can govern ourselves, self-government. But when we don't govern ourselves, then the government has to come in. And that's where you see more and more government power and the government getting bigger and more agencies to control the people. Because can you imagine a city going wild on riots and looting and killing, right? And so we see in America, are we not seeing that we're losing our ability to govern ourselves, right? You look at the mass shootings in the United States of America. You know, Columbine was the first school shooting, right, that happened in Columbine, where 13 people were killed. And then in the other school shooting, had 27 people killed in Sandy Hook, right, elementary school. And you think that ends there, and then you have... You know, 32 people killed at Virginia Tech, right? And then you have many other shootings, different places, and movie theaters. Then you have 49 people killed at the Pulse nightclub in Florida, right? You've seen the violent crimes in the last two years has gone up substantially. America has lost its ability to govern themselves, right? So we're crying out more for the government to bring more control and security, and when you give or ask for more control from people above you, what you're really saying is that you want to give away your freedom. Are you following me? With control is a giving up of your freedom. The more control that the governments have or the churches have or your home have, the less freedom that you have. That's what's happening. 9-11, right? The Twin Towers. After that, you had the Patriot Act. The government coming more power, which taking away your freedoms from you. Now you have warrantless searches. They can search you without a warrant. 
and just search you without any reason. They're spying on your citizens. You didn't know that? You guys know that, right? They spy on you. They get all the information they need from you. They have secret evidences on U.S. citizens. They even have, they even have indefinite detention. Even if you're innocent, they can hold you and in the cell block and just hold you without even a cause, but just to hold you indefinitely, just without even, for any no reason. Even if you're innocent. They use military tribunals now, right? Because rather than federal courts, because in military tribunals, you have no rights. That way they can get you convicted quickly and faster. They even began to use torture techniques being used and then stopped them from being used once again. And they even have assassination of U.S. citizens without even being convicted. You guys know all that? So all these things are going with all this government control and it's only because we as Americans, we have lost our ability to govern ourselves that they have to come in and actually government tyranny comes over. I had a phone call one time when I was passing in a church and well, he left a message and he was saying to me that he wanted to call him back. He was a special agent of the Department of State Diplomatic Security Services. That's what he was. That's a big title, right? So I came there and he said, I called him up and he said, you know, do you have a member? His name is so-and-so. I said, yes, I have a member there. And he said, you know this person? We suspect that he's in this country illegally and he's from the Middle East. He's suspecting terrorism, right? And I said, no, I, um, I don't think so because this guy I know what you're talking about, he's born and raised in Hawaii. He goes, no, no, he's not born and raised in Hawaii. We know he's from the Middle, Middle East. I said, no, I know this guy. I, I, I grew up with him. I knew when he was a kid. I know who he is. He's not in the fundamental. He's from Hawaii. I said, no, no, I think I know we, he's not from there. So we hung up. He still didn't believe me that, I, that he was actually from Hawaii, born and raised in Hawaii. And so do you believe that actually mistakes can happen, right? You think that it wouldn't happen, but mistakes can actually happen. And that's what's happening today. The United States could fall. What is the only answer to a vanishing civil and religious liberties? The Bible says that you shall know the truth, the word, Jesus Christ, God, who is love. You shall know the truth about how love works. And the truth about love, God, will set you free. What do you say? Amen? That's what's going to set us free. That's what's going to give us peace. That's the only, Jesus Christ is the only solution, I believe, for the United States of America. It's not more external control. That doesn't solve the root cause. The root cause is deep down in our hearts, and we need to have a new heart. We need to be converted and changed and transformed. And Jesus Christ will give us freedom from the inside out rather than the outside in. This is true freedom. This is true love. I want this. How about you? What do you say? Amen. Christ is a true liberator that can liberate us from the bondage of either civil or religious persecution. For we know in the Bible there will come a time where the, those who will be persecuted for our stance against a national Sunday law in which we will go against both the civil laws of the land as well as the religious establishments. But beloved, Jesus is the only one who can give us true self-government. And through Jesus Christ we are able to govern ourselves. We won't need any governmental control in our areas of religion or civil matters. If we have Jesus in our hearts, we would do what is right because it is right. Jesus is our answer to the failed republic. And we need that in our world today. Why not let him control your life? Because he loves you. You know, I guess my parents raised my older brothers and sisters 
they were raised in the Catholic Church, and they were very rigid and strict with them, and we became Adventist, became, was still that way, but just a different religion. And so they raised, my older brothers and sisters were out of the home and became Adventists, and the middle ones were kind of in there, and so they were very strict with them, and so they were on the side where they're actually controlling them and telling them what to do and come to church and all these, not teaching them how to govern themselves, but just to control them like a well-disciplined child. And so when they saw that, what happened? They left God. Then they came to the other extreme, I guess. And my mom started working and giving us freedom. And now almost like I was living in a, in a life of anarchy and no government because, you know, I was able to go freely. You know, that doesn't work either. Do you know that, right? We need to have government where we teach our children about how to govern. Teach them what is right, but teach them how to govern themselves rather than we always controlling them to do what is right. So here I went the other extreme. And with this, I made a wreck of my life. I've seen those people in my churches where the church members are super, super rigid upon the children, and the children, almost every single one of them, they've all left the church. And I can predict that, I say, that person, I can predict, almost predict it accurately that they're going to leave the church. But then this side too, you know, there's no government, it's anarchy, it's horrible. You know, you think it's freedom, but it's not freedom. And when you go into the world, you get hurt, you get broken. Life doesn't turn out the way you thought it would. You know, I remember I got sick and I went on medical disability. The doctors at first didn't know what was wrong with me. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I was, I was wondering and praying to God, God, why is all these things happening to me? Why, is I, why am I going through this pain? Why am I going through all these this struggles in my life? And I never forget, I was on my knees. I don't know if this ever happened to you. I was so agony. I lost my ministry. I lost being a pastor. I lost... You know, even our full income. I lost a lot of things in my life. I lost my health. I felt I was losing my family to be sick. And I remember being out in our, our property, and we had five beautiful acres. And there was, I remember on my knees, hands and knees, and there was pleading with God. And I remember tears just streaming down my cheeks and, and grabbing onto the, the dirt and the, and the grass and going, God, why? Why are you? Where are you? Why is this happening to me? I don't this ever happened to you, but it happened to me. I feel like God forsook me and God wasn't there for me. I felt like God had abandoned me. And I understood truly what Jesus must have felt on the cross and said, my God, my God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? I was through that painful time and I realized that my life, I looked out, reflect my past that, you know, it was, a, it, was, it was a horrible experience to actually go through that and go through life and all the mistakes I made in my life because I've never learned self-government. I don't know what it looks like. I was let to run free and just do whatever I wanted. I didn't know how it is to govern myself. And I'm sure that maybe some people here today, maybe some of you have been hurt and you've been wounded because in life you made bad choices. You know, you make your bed and you sleep in it, right? You made bad decisions in life and you... You're living with this sin of, and the shame and guilt of sin in your life. And maybe other people have taken advantage of you and hurt you. And then the other extreme, those of you here, maybe today you've been, you've been hurt because your parents have controlled you. They've been abusive to you verbally, emotionally, maybe even physically. To control you, to do what they want. You never learn self-government on this side either. Both sides. doesn't matter which side it is. And you realize that you've been hurt and you may be angry at God this morning. Know that there's a God who loves you and he wants it never too late to learn self-government. What do you say, amen?
It's never too late for God to reteach you and renew your mind, as in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 says, a renewing of the mind, a relearning. Many of us have experienced loss, regret, exhaustion, or pain. Maybe life has not turned out how we thought it would be. We didn't get the self-government that we so desperately needed when we were growing up in this world. We either got controlled or we got no guidance at all. Because of this, we have made a wreck of our lives. But it's when we are broken like that that we can look up to God for our healing and our hope. I want that. How about you? What do you say, amen? We need to look to Jesus. Maybe you're going to struggle this morning. Maybe it's brought upon you from your own decisions, but maybe other people are abusing and hurting you as well. Isn't it time that we look to Jesus and look to Him? Amen? Maybe you've been hurt, you've gone through pain of this world of sin, and you want to experience the true religious liberty of the heart. Let's look to Jesus. I want that. How about you? What do you say? Amen? Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus, the author of religious liberty of our hearts. We thank you that you grant us freedom to worship you or not to worship you. But Lord, we thank you that you've given us hearts to want to worship you this morning. And Lord, no matter what we've gone through in life, whether you made a wreck of our lives through making bad decisions and we live with shame or guilt, we want healing. Lord, maybe we've been hurt and abused by people who want to control us in our jobs, in our churches, in our homes, in our community. Lord, we want to be healed from that as well. Heal us from all this abuse in this world. And Lord, we want to experience the true government, the self-government where you govern our hearts from the inside out. Lord, grant us this prayer of true religious liberty as we look to you. We love you with all of our hearts. We thank you for already hearing and answering our commitments to you in our hearts. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org.